chapter 5 is where we'll begin uh, in verse 5, or chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. And it says this, it says, One day while Jesus was in a certain city, he came upon a man covered with leprous sores. And when the man recognized Jesus, he fell at his, or on his face at Jesus' feet and begged to be healed, saying, If you were willing, you could completely heal me. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, Of course I'm willing to heal you. And now you will be healed instantly. The leprous sores were healed and his skin became smooth. Jesus said, tell no one what has happened, but go to the temple priest and show them you've been healed and uh, to show that you are purified. Make an offering for your cleansing. Just as Moses commanded, you will become a living testimony to them. Title of this message is Circumstantial Evidence circumstantial evidence. I want to start off by sharing a story with you. Uh, as you know, uh, my, my pride and joy, my Miami Heat, my basketball team, um, one of the reasons I live, uh, was in the NBA Finals and that has now come to an end. And unfortunately, in case you didn't uh, watch it or anything uh, they lost made it all the way to the championship round and lost and that is because of you because you didn't pray for them like I told you to and so you know I'm, I'm not bitter it's fine um, but no so two weeks ago me and Ivy had slight change in our plans we were going on a trip and we we were like right before we were about to leave we were like all right we're gonna make this little little slight change and instead of going on that trip first we're gonna we're gonna reroute we're gonna go down to Miami and we're gonna watch a finals game and this has always been uh, something I've wanted to do and I was like I don't know if you know when they'll get back here you know you're not guaranteed anything in sports and I was like I'd really like to experience this I'd really like to see it it's something that I would love to experience um, and so that's what we decided to do and so last minute we changed our flight to Miami and um, so the flight was scheduled to leave two weeks ago uh, at 11 p.m. and we didn't have any problems getting down to the airport no Atlanta traffic thankfully we got down there and I get the notification on my phone the flight has been changed to 11:25 p.m. so we get through uh, security and everything and we're at our gate and then they they you know get get us through the process and we're flying Delta so you know we shouldn't have any problems they seem to be a competent airline uh, at least in my experience I've had some other ones not so competent but um, we we get on, uh, they, they load everybody onto the plane, and we're on the plane by like 10.50, and they have everybody on there uh, no, no later than 11. So here I am thinking, all right, we're, we're our scheduled time to depart, we should be good at this. We should be right on time, 11.25. Well, get everybody on the plane. We're all sitting there. We're all ready to go. And then time just begins to pass and pass and pass 
And uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but it's the worst experience in the world. Uh, they don't give you any information. And then it ended up being one hour later, it's, mid it's midnight and we still have not taken off. And we're just sitting on the plane at our gate. Everybody's on the plane, but the door's open and we don't see any attendance, you know, nobody we can ask questions to, but we're all having to sit there and just wait. And uh, sometimes that's just how it is. And anyways, eventually they come on, the, ca uh, the captain comes over the intercom. He's like, hey, sorry, everybody. You know, we were just having to make sure that the passengers on the plane matched the manifest. And we had duplicate passengers and we just had a mix up and we were having to get that resolved. I'm like, that don't take an hour, but okay, whatever. I'm ready to leave now. So they, they get us out of there at midnight. We sat on the plane an hour. They get us out of there. And then we arrive to Miami. We touch down at 1.30 a.m. Then, you know, you just expect things to get better. Sometimes they only get worse. Um, we get off the plane, and then I have already rented us a car. And this car company has mobile check-in, so you don't have to actually go up to the counter and do the whole check-in process, because uh, that can take a while. Uh, so we go through the terminal and we go to where uh, this car company is and at their counter it says go go down to the garage there's a there's a, a key pickup kiosk and you know that's all you got to do is pick up your keys so I, I we passed that thing I'm feeling good I'm like all right we're gonna get out of here pretty quick you know they've made this uh, where this process has been expedited pretty good and so we get out of there we go to the garage and then lo and behold because they weren't operating the counter upstairs inside the terminal they were operating the counter from the kiosk and there was only one person operating this car company at this late at night and apparently everybody was flying in at 1:30 a.m in the morning i don't know why that was the thing but there was so many people trying to rent a car from this company lines super long and it's hot it's miami so it's humid we're in this garage and like it's hard to breathe and we're all standing in this line getting frustrated because there's only one person helping and i'm sitting there the whole time like are you are, are these people I'm, I'm i'm mobile checked in are these people mobile check you know i'm thinking to myself like i don't have to wait in this line i should be able to walk up to the front just grab my keys and get out of here and about hour and a half goes by standing in this line you think i'm joking it's now three o'clock in the morning and we finally get up to the front of this line and the guy it was the saddest thing ever because it was it was literally everybody else it took them so long what car do you want do you want this one do you want the, do you want the insurance and i'm just like get me out of here and we walk up there, it literally took three minutes. He handed me the keys and he's like, all right, you can go. And I was like, why couldn't I just, you know, why, why did I have to wait in this line for that? Like, what's the point in this? And then of course, hands me the keys and he says, this is what he says to me, because there are, I don't know if you've ever rented a car before, but usually in the terminal, there's like stalls and there's stall numbers. So you know where your car is because you just follow the numbers and they come on your keys and it says it's in, it's in this stall. Well, he just hands me the keys and he says, it's around here somewhere. If you'll just use the horn right here, you should be able to find it in this vicinity. It's three o'clock in the morning and me and Avi are beginning to walk up and down the aisles 
of these stalls just hitting this horn button. And he said, it should be right around here. And here we go, just pressing this button, just hoping that we're, our car's horn will go off. And we're walking up and down and up and down. And about the third time where she's rolling the suitcases, poor pitiful Ivy, because she's like, you can go on ahead. You'll be able to get it faster. And then you can just come to me and we'll put the suitcases. So here she is rolling behind me everywhere, rolling behind me. And about the third or fourth time of going up and down the rows that I've been told where the car would be, uh, all the people that are still, because there's still a very long line, all the people in line are hysterically laughing at us. And I'm starting to go, I don't believe this car is here. I'm telling them, I'm like, I don't think this car is really here. And I'm sitting there, I don't believe this car is really here. And uh, it gets to the point, and I'm, I'm so fed up, I told Avi, I said, I, I've got to just tell them. So I walk up to the window and he's helping somebody. I said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you handed me these keys and I don't think this car's here. And he goes, I'm going to help you. And he walks out and he gets the keys and he looks at it. And he goes, mm, Mazda, that'll be right over here. And he walks over and this guy starts heading back towards the airport, nowhere in the vicinity of where he told me that, that this, that this car would be on the other side of this wall. And he just happens to walk over there and immediately clicks it. And I, cannot even begin to tell you how angry I was <laughs> at almost 3.30 in the morning at this man who told me that the car would be in this vicinity and it was nowhere in the vicinity. I didn't even know I could walk that far. Like I didn't even know that company extended all the way over there. He didn't let me know that. And it was just one thing after the other that just happened to not be going mine and Ivy's way. And we were so frustrated, like, you've got to be kidding me. You, you couldn't have just told me it's a Mazda, it'll be right over there. Like, that would have helped a little bit. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about compounding, compiling circumstances in our life. I actually want to talk to you tonight about the, the care of God. The care of God. And that's an interesting concept in our modern culture. I want you to think about this. If someone were to ask us, me and you, you and I, were to ask us, how has God cared for you? If someone was to ask that question, how has God cared for you? I wonder how you and I might answer that question. Maybe you'd answer it like this. Well, God's taking care of me, I got to tell you. I have no house payment, got no car payment. My business is doing well. I got five grandkids. I'm going to Florida on vacation next week. I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed. And maybe, just maybe, that might be how we would answer that question. And I, I want you to consider how you'd answer that question. Would it go something like that? Would it, would it recall your possessions, your haves and have-nots in this life? See, I believe that the care of God has become how God treats me in my personal endeavors, in my career, in me and mine, my family, uh, in relation to my life. God cares or doesn't care for me based on the compilation of my circumstances. And his care 
has become reduced to our income, what car we drive, the neighborhoods that we live in, the clothes that we have, our health. And that has become the definition or the gauge for God's care for us. So now, with that understanding and with that definition, God goes as I go. When things are good, when my circumstances are good, God cares for me. I'm truly blessed. But when things are bad, God, where are you at? And we give God the circumstantial evidence treatment. Does everyone know what circumstantial evidence is? So let me give you an example. I, like I tell you all the time, I love true crime. Actually, I saw something the other day that says a psychologist said like someone who can smile uh, or, or have a happy feeling while watching true crime, there may be something psychologically wrong with that person. And I'm thinking, oh, that's me. Thanks a lot, psychologist. Um, sorry, I can't help it. But um, circumstantial evidence. So if if there's a murder that occurred and happened on Baker Street at 6.15 p.m. and a witness says they heard screaming uh, and they saw the defendant walking down the street with a bloody knife at about 6.25 p.m., that would be circumstantial evidence. That's not direct evidence, uh, but it would, all these circumstances that I just read to you would uh, would lead someone to believe that these circumstances draw the conclusion that the defendant is in fact the one who committed the crime. That's what circumstantial evidence is. And we oftentimes in our faith, in our life, we like to use our set of compiled circumstances in this life to draw our conclusion on whether or not God cares for us and exactly how much he cares for us. And the reason is because we hate pain and we love pleasure. I got to be honest with you, that night in the airport, I'd had enough. I was like, I don't know if I can ever fly again. Ivy was saying, I'm never flying again. I was like, well, we got to get home. But we hate pain and we love pleasure. And of course, we're not wrong for that. Why wouldn't we? Nobody wants to face the loss of a loved one. Nobody wants to go through an illness. Nobody wants to have relationship troubles or problems. No one wants to have to lose their job. No one wants to have debilitating stress. But you see, the, the problem is with living this way, and relating to God this way, we'll never truly be content and never experience peace when that's the way that we relate to God. Because the truth is, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but the truth is pain is not going away on this side of eternity. It's just not. I mean, Maybe you've experienced in your life, but I'm reminded all the time by different circumstances in life that life, this life is temporal, it's finite, it is so fickle, it is so fleeting. I don't know if any of you know, but that the, the, the young man who was just killed in a car accident, a single person car accident was actually the brother of one of, of my cousins. 
and it's so tragic. He was so young. I was, I'm literally two years younger than him. This life is not a guarantee. It's actually the opposite. It's a guarantee that it's going to end. The question is when. Pain is inevitable. Here's the thing. Can God take away your pain? Yes. Has he been known to? Yes. Will I stand and be the first in line to believe with you and pray for you and pray with you that he will take it away? Absolutely. Will he most likely not? Correct. And that's the thing that I think most pastors are afraid to tell people. But it's the most true thing I could ever tell you and I'm hoping that tonight I can prove it to you. But why is that? Why is it that most likely and most often the pain will not be taken away? Well, I believe there's two reasons. Reason number one is this. God's priorities are different than ours. Like that's just plain, that's just simple, that's the easiest way I can put it. His priority is not limited to finite time and space. I think this is the reason we struggle with so much because we're taught and we hear such contradicting things about God. And here's what I mean by that. We hear story upon story of Jesus healing person after person and performing miracle after miracle in the New Testament. And then we're confused and we're left hurt when, he, when it doesn't go that way for us. But we must understand something. Jesus' priority even when he was on this earth, was still the same. The healings and the miracles wasn't and isn't his priority. His priority was the cross. And I'm going to prove it to you in just, just a few moments. But it was connecting with you. He had the end in mind, the cross in mind. It was about connecting with you and I, having relationship with you and I for the sake of our eternal soul, not our temporal state. And that's not to say that he's not in the business of doing miracles. It's just to say that more often than not, that's not going to be the case. And maybe today is the day that you need to hear that because maybe today is the day that you can learn and grow and get that more intimate connection with God so that you can be prepared because guess what? We all have to face that day. And that leads me to my second reason why more often than not, we don't always get the pain taken away. And number two is our pain is a portal. Our pain is a point of access to connecting with God. How many of you know God will meet you in your times of pleasure? There's, there, there's no better feeling than waking up and going down to the beach at sunrise, reading your Bible, looking out, hearing the waves. Oh, God is so good. Ah, oh, the waves crash. It's like His love crashing on the seashore for me. You know, I see a few dolphins. Like, experiencing God in that moment, that's great, right? He will meet you in your times of pleasure. But how many of you know, how many of you have been there? There's nothing like when He meets you 
in your time of pain, in your time of question, in your time of doubt, in your time of frustration, it just hits different. It just hits on another level. But we're all in those moments, we have that tendency to look for God the parachute. God the parachute, get me out of here. But the Bible says he's not a parachute. It actually tells us he's an anchor. And he is, I can tell you with confidence, in and all around your circumstances, attempting to reach you, connect, and reveal himself to you. But I can promise you, this is like a silly example, but I can promise you when you're in those moments, that's not what you're thinking about. Because when I was in that airport, all I could think about is how angry I was and how late it was and how much I want to go to sleep. I wasn't thinking about God, what are you trying to, are you trying to connect with me right now? (laughs) But we all need to recognize that and know that, that he's not actually the cause of our pain. We often oftentimes think he's the cause of our pain because we, because we know he's able and capable of taking it away. So therefore we just kind of put the blame on him. Like, why'd you allow this to happen? But he isn't actually the cause. He's actually the one who cares the most. And we have a tendency to alienate the one that we need most in our desperate time. But I want to I show you something as I close. Uh, I want to look back at our scripture in Luke chapter 5. Um, because I believe there's a reason we do what we do. The reason that we feel our disposition is the way that it is towards our pain. I believe it's we're viewing God the same way this man with leprosy in our story is viewing God. So I want you for just a second to peer into this man while also seeing it as a reflection into who you are. So let me read it again. It says, One day while Jesus was in a was in a certain city, he came upon a man covered with leprous sores, and when the man recognized Jesus, fell on his face at Jesus' feet and begged to be healed, saying, catch this, if you were willing, you could completely heal me. I see myself in this phrase, if you were willing, if you were willing, Isn't that the same question that we all have when it comes to the care of God in our lives? Think about it. When you have pain, when you have troubles, or when you foresee pain or troubles in your life, bad circumstances, whatever they may be, God, will you give me the job? God, will you protect my family from harm? God, will you help me pay off my debt? God, will you take away the cancer? But I want you to to recognize something. Will you is the wrong perspective. Will you is the wrong question. That's not really what we want to know. We don't know. We don't want to know if God will. The real question is, God, can you? God, can you? 
Think about this. One could argue that the ability to do something is more powerful than the action itself. If I told you that I could scale this wall like Spider-Man, and then, oh, by the way, I can also become invisible, then you might start to think, hmm, what else can he do? Furthermore, what can't he do? And that, in and of itself, would give me more power than I actually even have. Because my versatility in your mind would give me power. Think about it. If we believed God can, then wouldn't that change everything in our life? Not God will you, but God can you. Because if we believe God could, then that would change everything. Because think about it. If God can give me the job, then I have nothing to worry about. If God can protect my family, then I got nothing to be anxious about. If God can pay off the debt, then I have nothing to be stressed about. If God can take away the cancer, then I can rest easy at night. You see, I believe, think about this for a moment. I'm really trying to get deep in the crevices of your mind, and I want you to do some deep thinking right here. I believe the reason Jesus was so busy performing miracles during his brief stay here on this planet is because if he can get us to believe he is able, then what are we even talking about? I think his goal in doing the miracles, well, well a huge part of it is just, it's just his nature, it's just his character. He, he just, he can't help himself. But a part of it is, if he can get us to believe he's able, then doesn't that settle it then? Think about it. If he knows the number of hairs on my head, if he knows when I sit and when I rise, if he knows when I rest and when I wake, if he is the one who sleeps in storms, if he splits the seas, if he walks on water, if he stands in the fire and he's untouched by the flames, if he dies and then three days later gets back up again, then I think I'll be just fine under my circumstances. If he can, then I think I can rest easy come what may. I think I can stop to worry so much. I think I can stop stressing so much. I can, I can stop being anxious about so much. Because if he can, that's way more powerful than will he. See, we're always caught up in the will God, but... Sometimes we should just be sitting back going, can God? Because if God can, doesn't that change eternity in and of itself? Because if God can, then that means He did. If God could, then He did. If He's able, then He did it. If He's able to do what we're asking of Him, if He's able to take away the pain, if He's able to take away the sickness, if He's able to make these dead bones rise again, then didn't He do it? Aren't our souls set free forever? Aren't we eternally whole? We'll never be the same. If He can, then He did. 
I can rest easy, come what may. Now my circumstances are not, does God care for me? God cares for me because He can. So now I'm not worried about if He will. I'm whole because He did. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know He is with me. He's with me. My soul is safe in His arms. I told you earlier that I was going to prove it to you that His priorities are not our priorities and that His, his mindset set on eternal things. And the question's not will He, but can He? Because if He can, then He did, and we're eternally whole, and we're forever set free. And I told you I was going to prove you that heaven's his priority heaven's the point and sometimes just because he 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 it can make things good and can make pain go away doesn't mean that he always wills because that's not the point i told you i was going to prove it to you look at how this scripture ends i love this so jesus reached out and touched him and he said of course i'm willing to heal you now you'll be healed instantly the leper's sores were healed and the skin was smooth and Jesus said catch this Jesus said tell no one what has happened tell no one what has happened I want you to catch what he's saying of course of course I'm willing the question is not will he but can he because if he can he did of course I'm willing but listen listen to me don't tell anyone why do you think he said don't tell don't tell anyone because this isn't my priority I've got something way 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 more special in store and it's not my time yet and if you go telling everybody what I did for you here you're gonna mess up my timeline you're gonna let everybody know who I am and I'm not supposed to go to the cross yet and the cross is my priority because eternity is my priority and this is all about healing souls that's what it's all about Jesus was telling us what's more important right after he heals this man he says hey don't tell anybody because this ain't what it's about of course the man couldn't help himself but I think that's so incredible. Jesus is like, hey, I'll do it because I can't help myself. I love you. I care for you so much. Of course, I'll heal you. Here you go. Of course, I'm willing. But hey, just keep this between us because I'm about to heal the whole world. And that's what my priority is. Church. I want you to start every day, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in in life. First of all, I want you to not only, I, I want you to set aside seeing God based on your circumstances. That's, that's one good rule of thumb that we could all do. I didn't, this didn't go my way. My brand's not really taking off. My business ain't really taking off. I got a flat tire today. God, where you at? You probably don't care for me that much. I want you to, like, first of all, like, let, let's set that aside because your circumstances are not equivalent to who God is and how much He cares for you because He cares for you, like, 
period, exclamation point, end of story. Like his care for you has nothing to do with all your possessions and all your stuff. That's, that's the first thing we got to do. But then the next thing we got to do is start asking ourselves, can he? Because I believe your everyday life can change on the answer to that question. Because if you truly believe in a God that can do some of the things that you ask him to do, if you believe he's able and he's capable and he did all the things that the book says he did, then that means you win. Story's over. It's over and done. Whatever it is that you're asking for in the here and now, it's completely trumped by eternity. You got it better than anybody could ever imagine. Because if he can, he did it, and he did it for you. And it's done. Story's over. And anything that you could ever imagine here on this earth, he's already done it and more in light of eternity. And we are forever whole. That's what we come to sing about. That's what we come to celebrate. That we are His children. That we are the chosen ones. That we are loved. And that we will forever be in relationship with our Father. And whatever losses we have in this temporary life, they pale in comparison to the big great win He's given us in light of eternity. So I hope that encourages you. That's what I want to leave you with tonight. I want you to walk away recognizing that your pain is not the problem. Your problem is the way that you view your pain. And tuck this one away because maybe things are good. It's summertime right now. You're like, I'm feeling good. I like the pool. I like the beach. I'm not really thinking about my pain right now, but Levi, thanks for this one. Well, tuck it away because pain's inevitable but it's not eternal. Let's pray.